You're listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with founder Megan Singleton. Her tagline is the word in travel, and you will find nearly 1,000 posts filled with the best travel tips, ideas, and inspiration from around the world. It's great to have Rachel Williams with me today on the podcast. She is the founder and director of Viva Expeditions. Uh, specializing in Latin America and Antarctica, but she's pivoted like a netball center during COVID. Um, Rachel, tell us a little bit about how you got started and welcome to the show, by the way. You're my first ever guest, so it's terribly exciting for me. (laughs) Tell us about your company and how you got started and when you got started. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me. And I'm honored to be um, the first person that you have on board. Thank you very much. (laughs) Viva Expeditions, we're a a travel company specialising in travel to Latin America and Antarctica. Um, Well, we were pre-COVID, specialising exclusively in that area. Of course, uh, big nasty COVID came along and put a temporary stop on that for us. And we sort of really needed to to look for other options um, in order to survive, um, as, as everybody in the tourism industry has needed a good idea uh, we knew it had to be something you know something big um, and after lots of brainstorming we came up with the idea of the southern lights by flight um, so i that's just so remarkable to me like i didn't even know that we had southern lights that were more than just a spontaneous sort of thing i mean i've wanted to go to the northern lights ever since i heard about them but but tell us about the southern lights and how you see them yeah, I mean, essentially the only difference between the Northern and Southern Lights is that the Northern Lights occur at the North Pole and the Southern Lights occur at the South Pole. Okay. But, I know, right? One of the main differences is, though, that land extends much further north in the Northern Hemisphere. So places like Canada, Alaska, Greenland, um, parts of Russia and Scandinavia are lo- located high in the Arctic region. Yeah. In the South, at those latitudes, we have a lot of ocean. So while the lights can be seen from land, it is not possible to get as close to the rural oval on land. Yeah. So that's a huge advantage of the flight. So we're able to fly people south into the active aurora zone, which is typically located between around 62 to 65 degrees south, maximising the potential for excellent aurora viewing. So where do you go from? We go from Christchurch. We depart from Christchurch. Um, it's a 10-hour flight. Yeah. Um, returning back into Christchurch as well. So it's a domestic trip uh, within New Zealand. Just a bubble flight. Very yeah, clever. It is. Just a bubble flight, exactly. So something that New Zealanders can enjoy while, um, you know, something an extraordinary experience that they can have without leaving New Zealand. And of course, you're so high, you're above the clouds. So, you know, while going to the Northern Lights is always fraught with if it's bad weather and rainy and whatever, you won't get to see them. That's never the case. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So we fly at about 40,000 feet. So that's high above any cloud layers and completely yeah. removed obstacle to great viewing. There's some other important considerations though around maximizing this viewing. And um, that's really the timing of the flights. So they coincide with the spring and autumn equinoxes, which helps maximise the chances that the auroras will be bright. Um, And this is a phenomenon called the Russell-McFerrin effect. So the auroras are more frequent and brighter than usual in spring and autumn. So close to these equinoxes, the alignment of the interplanetary magnetic fields um, and the Earth's medical field um, is such that they cancel each other out, essentially, which allows these essentially 
actually um, solar, high solar winds come flowing in, creating solar storms and, um, you know, some amazing displays in the sky. Goodness. The other is the um, phase of the moon because, of course, we want the sky to be as dark as possible. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so as far as I know, because I was lucky enough to be booked on one of your flights, but unlucky enough to <laughs> have it cancelled due to level lockdown in Auckland, um, so I was quite excited about um, going and potentially taking photos. Um, and in my reading, I'd seen that you, through the camera lens, you, you see the aurora a lot better than your naked eye. Is that even valid on an iPhone camera? Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, modern, modern digital cameras are over 100 times more sensitive to the light than the naked eye. So they really capture that intensity of those amazing greens and pinks. Some of the most recent iPhones and Huawei phones and Samsung phones are quite capable, but whether you have a capable phone will pretty much depend on its quality and its age. So, um, you know, if you've got a, you know, an iPhone 10, a Samsung sort of sort of S8 or above, some of the more modern um, models, they're going to yes. take some really nice pictures. You know, I even located, which I couldn't wait to show you, but now I can't show you. I... Um, brought in because I thought right I need to keep my iPhone as still as I can against the window of the plane so I wanted one of those double-sided stickies you know those rubber stickies where you lick one side and you smack it on the wall yep. in the shower or whatever. yeah little suction cups yeah so I found a double-sided yep. one so I was going to suck it onto one onto my phone on the one side and onto the window on the other side and then I should just be able to I won't have to hold it still with my hand so I thought that was quite genius, but I've got it for perhaps use another time. <laughs> it is. And, well, you know, hopefully you'll be uh, joining us in, in March on the next yeah. flight. No, that'd be great. But we also provide people with pretty comprehensive information about sort of how to capture those images of the Aurora. We offer a free photography workshop prior to the flight for anyone who's interested as well. So, you know, we do have quite a lot of information for people of all sort of photographic levels. Yeah. So talk us through the day of the flight, um, what time you would depart, what sort of onboard food or entertainment. Obviously, we're not having movies because everyone will be trying to look out the window. Um, what's it like actually on the flight? Yeah. So on the day of the flight, we actually start a little bit uh, ahead of time. We include a pre-flight function at the International Antarctic Centre in Christchurch where our astronomy team um, we'll teach people about the aurora, give them a guided tour through areas of the Antarctic Centre which are relevant to our experience. Um, and we also have some drinks and nibbles. And during this time, we offer the free photography workshops and also some time to network with the astronomy team and ask questions. So by the time we're wandering over to the airport, this, let's say, happens from about three to five o'clock. Um, we wander to, over to the airport, check in for the flight. Um, and the flight will then depart at seven. But people are on board, um, you know, really with a lot of knowledge about what they're going up to see and what all the different colours mean and things like that. Oh, wow. And how long before you would start to see the aurora? Yeah, so, I mean, it can vary because it is a, a natural phenomenon. But uh, essentially the idea is, um, and how it had panned out on our first flights, that we hop on board, take off, we have a meal service. We do try to get through that fairly quickly. Um, a full international meal service on board Air New Zealand with, um, you know, the, a bar service as well. 
Uh, and then after we've had the dinner, the lights will be dimmed. Well, actually, after we've had dinner, we either will be in the active aurora zone or really, really close to it. And as soon as we really are in that zone, um, our astronomers that are on board that also help with navigation um, will, you know, work with the captain and then the plane will be put into darkness. So all the internal cabin lights, um, except for emergencies, obviously, are turned off. Um, and that allows, you know, people have a little bit of time for their eyes to adjust. Uh, and then, you know, the, the time for the aurora viewing starts. So we expect to have between four to six hours uh, yeah. in the aurora zone, which we had on both our previous flights. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then, you know, we sort of come out of that zone, heading into the morning, have breakfast, and we arrive back at, at um, Christchurch Airport ready to start the day. So what happens if you don't have a window seat? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so how it works. So let's start with economy. Um, on the Dreamliner, Dreamliner in the back, the economy rows are nine seats wide. So I'm try, trying to paint a little bit of a picture here. Yes. And um, we don't have the middle of those nine row of, uh, seat of those nine seats at all. So that's sort of an empty seat. So that essentially leaves us four seats on each side. For example, A, B, C, and D. At regular intervals, we do a seat swap, which is announced over the PA system. So in the beginning, there's a quick 20-minute swap, which allows everyone their first exciting views of the aurora. And after that, the remaining time in the aurora zone is halved at regular intervals, normally about 40 minutes, meaning that each passenger will have a window seat or a seat next to the window seat for at least half of the flight and an aisle seat for the other half of the flight. Right. People can opt if they wish. You can purchase a row. Um, to mean that you don't have to seat swap or in some of the higher cabin um, seating classes or in the sky couches, you know, there, there is no seat swap. So there is various options. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. In business class, I'm trying to picture it. It's been a long time since I turned left when I got on board, I have to say. Um, <laughs> they're herringbone um, styled. And I thought yep. they angled away from the window. Is that right? I can't quite picture it. Yeah, they do angle slightly, um, slightly away from the window. Um, but what we find is that, you know, you're sort of, when you're viewing that aurora and you're up and you're taking your photos, you, you're sort of pretty much, you know, up on your knees or sitting yeah. up, and up at your window. So in that business area, they have a lot of space around them to really get positioned and around those huge windows. Yeah. On the Air New Zealand Dreamliner, they um, have a row of three seats in business. So we actually split the business class into two categories on the plane. We have our business Premier Plus. Now that suite doesn't swap throughout the whole journey. Yeah. And, and then we have business Premier, which is the other two seats, and these two will swap. So that's usually a very common um, you know, purchase opportunity for couples that were quite happy to swap with each other throughout. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. So you've done two of these so far? Yeah, we've done two so far. They both were a huge success with an incredible aurora viewing on both nights. So our astronomers were, you know, jumping up and down in the seats. We were very... Wow. Do you think this is going to be something you'll keep on your, your program, on your itineraries? Yeah, we will. You know, I mean, we didn't know going into it what, what was going to happen, but the reaction has just been, you know, completely overwhelming. Um, we actually had another two flights, like you said, set to, you know, depart in September. Yeah. Uh, COVID, we had to postpone those until 2022. I mean, luckily, we most people chose to rebook. Um, yeah. But for 
that didn't for various reasons. They were really reassured with our book with confidence policy where, you know, people will receive a full refund um, or they can transfer to an alternative date or they can have a travel credit base if lockdowns prevent departure. So, you know, it's not an obstacle to booking knowing that you're protected. Um, but we have moved those flights into 2022. Um, it, it's, it is tricky to move, find dates because they have to coincide with the dark moons and the um, equinoxes. So yeah. it was the best decision for us to move them into next year. Um, so we've got six flights departing in 2022. So we've yep. got uh, two flights on the weekend of the 26th and the 27th of March. Yep. Two in April, the 2nd and 3rd of April. Um, so they're for the autumn equinox, and then we've got another two in September, 24th and 25th, coinciding with the spring equinox. Great. Oh and we've goodness. currently got availability on all those flights, but some of the March-April flights are filling up pretty quickly. So, yeah, Awesome. People... So where can people go? What's your website address for them to go and read a bit more about it? So they can uh, jump on www.vivaexpeditions.com. Um, look for Southern Lights by flight there. Uh, call us on 0800 131 900 or email info at com. We've got a really great digital brochure that we can send out to you that's got all the information you need from detailed seating plans, information about photography, um, all sorts. It's very comprehensive. Oh, it's absolutely epic. And I'd also planned to come down to Christchurch the night before and I was going to, you know, go out on the town as you do down the terrace go to one of the new rooftop bars or something down there. So it's quite a good idea if people are outside of, of Christchurch to make a bit of a weekend of it. Uh, and yeah, exactly. And we've got um, also for those that are really interested in the, in the sort of astro tourism, we have a really great uh, Mount John pre-tour. Oh, I've that done that. Out yeah. in Tikapo. Yeah, out at Tikapo. So it's a two-night package. Uh, that's it's an exclusive package for us, catered around a sort of in-depth night sky experience um, with this dark sky project down there. So it's, it's really cool. That in itself is just another whole podcast right there. I mean, I went out there. They've got the, this great big huge telescope where that we saw the rings of Saturn and, you know, the craters of the moon were just like a no-brainer and um, it was an outstanding experience. So that's a really cool, that's really cool, Rach. Hey, um, thank you so much for your time. I think this is going to be awesome. A lot of people are going to be keen on uh, looking this up and getting in touch with you about this. So thanks again for uh, making the time to come and chat and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me and I yeah, look forward to catching up and hopefully having you on board soon as well, Megan. Thanks, right. See you. <laughs> see you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with Megan Singleton. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can read more at bloggeratlarge.com or follow on Facebook slash Blogger at Large to ask a question or find out how to have your business featured in an upcoming episode.